He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Greetings, people loved by God. Welcome, everybody, to worship on this, the second Sunday of Easter. For our friends who are worshiping online or on the radio, just a reminder that you can always go to our website, which is chapelofthecross.org. And there you will always find the bulletin under the resources tab, so you can follow along with the service and the bulletin there. And there's also options for giving or offering to the Lord under the Give tab. Just a few announcements to share with you before we begin worship today. Today we welcomed uh, Dr. Richard Mars, professor of practical theology at Concordia Seminary. He was our special Bible study leader. Uh, Dr. Mars began a two-Sunday Bible, uh, Bible class on the hymns of St. Paul, as are found in Philippians and Colossians. We will continue that study next Sunday. So if you missed that today, I'm sorry you missed that, but come next Sunday, we have one more class with Dr. Mars. Uh, Bible class is held here in the sanctuary that starts around 9.45 in the morning after the conclusion of the first service. First quarter contribution statements are printed and they are available for you to take home today. Those are in alphabetical order by last name in that box at the Welcome Center. Uh, please find yours and take that home with you as you go home today and know that we are, we are very thankful and we praise God for your good stewardship here at Chapel of the Cross. And one of the important ministries here at Chapel of the Cross that needs your support is our radio ministry. As you might remember, our worship service is broadcast on KFUO AM 850 on Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m. And you may support that powerful outreach tool by sponsoring one or more broadcasts. The sign-up sheet is located just adjacent to the elevator over by the bookstore. So I encourage you to sign up uh, uh, and sponsor some radio broadcasts. This Sunday, our radio broadcast is sponsored by the Zaversions family in loving memory of Velva Zaversions' 15th anniversary in heaven. God's blessings to you as we worship together this morning. We stand and we share the peace of our Lord with one another, after which we will sing our entrance hymn, Come You Faithful, Raise the Strength.
Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose mercy has given us new birth to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Without having seen him, we love him and we believe in him, receiving the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. May the Lord who has begun this good work in us bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks be to God. Lord be with you. 
Let us pray. Almighty God, grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. The first reading is from the fifth chapter of Acts. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Our psalm of the day is Psalm 148, and we speak that responsively. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all of his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, 
old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. The second reading is from the first chapter of 1 Peter. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord.
the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated at this time. Our children may come forward for the children's message. Morning, guys. Morning. How are y'all doing? Good. So, if I was to tell you that inside my hand I have a dollar bill, would you guys believe me? Without a shadow of a doubt, I have a dollar bill in here. No, I don't believe. You know, some of you don't think. Maybe some of you are a little bit skeptic, and then some of you are like, maybe. That's right. Well, look at that. I do have one. Because you see, what that just happened, we have a little saying that says, seeing is believing. And today, you just heard Pastor read the gospel lesson when Jesus finally showed himself to the disciples. They finally saw him and they finally believed that he has risen from the dead. But there was one disciple who wasn't there that night. Do you guys remember his name? Thomas? Yep, his name was Thomas. And he wasn't there. And when the other disciples went and told Thomas that their Christ, that Jesus was back, he had risen from the dead, Thomas doubted. He said, no, that can't be. I saw him in the tomb. He said, in order for me to believe, because he was just like you guys, he had a seed to believe. In order for me to believe, I have to touch him. I have to touch his wounds in order for me to believe. And so Jesus did appear to Thomas. And he said, Thomas, come touch me. Come feel my wounds. 
And Thomas believed because he saw Jesus. And Jesus tells Thomas something. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, do you guys believe in Jesus? Of course, we all do, right? We all believe in Jesus. Have you guys seen Jesus? No, we haven't. So that means that that we have faith. We have faith that Jesus is real, that Jesus saved us from our sins, and that faith comes from hearing and reading God's Word. And God's Word is the Bible. And inside the Bible, it talks a lot about God's love. Right? And, and we see this love in our, in our church and in our family and in our friends and how we interact with each other, our siblings. And God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us and for our sins. And one day, one day, we will all get to see Jesus in heaven. Isn't that awesome? I can't wait. I cannot wait for that day. Yeah, it'll be a great day. So, let us pray. You guys repeat after me. Let's bow our heads. Dear Jesus, we believe in you even though we can't see you. Thank you for helping us to believe. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can go back to your seats.
Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's kind of hard to believe anything these days, wouldn't you say? I mean, doubting skepticism is the default position of the wise because there's so much misinformation, so much disinformation. And we have fact checkers and then we've got counter fact checkers that check on the fact checkers. Truth seems very hard to come by. For most people, I think the most reliable source of truth is their own senses. I mean, like you heard Jacob say to the kids, seeing is believing. Saw it with my own two eyes. God, I have proof. Give me the evidence. Hardly putting faith in anything, really, except maybe themselves. Truth seems to be hard to come by, so it seems faith is hard to come by. I mean, there's a lot of skeptics out there. But I would claim that even the most skeptical person is a person of faith, whether they know that or not. In fact, I'd say that that is how we are made. That is how we are wired up. We are people of faith. We are wired to be dependent people. I think it's impossible for us to be totally independent of faith. For example, just walk back through the events of this morning for you. So uh, the alarm clock goes off. You open up your eyes and you believed your alarm clock. Maybe you didn't like what it said, but you believed it. You, you hunted around for the light switch, you, you flipped it on, and, and guess what? Light flooded the room. That miraculous thing happened that you totally expected to happen. You trusted, you believed that the electric company would come through and give you this thing called electricity. You roll out of bed, you put your weight on the floorboards. You never once wondered or tested out to see if those floorboards are going to hold your weight, did you? You believed that they would. They'd be strong enough to hold you. Took a few deep breaths, get yourself going, believing that that air that you were breathing was of good enough quality for you to take in and out. Maybe you stood in front of the mirror and looked at your reflection and though you may not have wanted to, you believed it. And you went to the kitchen, you ate breakfast, you believed everything that was written on that cereal box, all that nutritional information on there. And never once met the people who wrote that stuff. Never once knew who printed it, had no idea who packaged it. You just believed it. I mean, we are incredible believers. Time for church, so you get into your car, and it started. I mean, you believe that when you put that key in there and you turned it, or now in the newer cars, you just press the button, something somehow would happen under that hood, and pff, there you go. And you came into church at 11 o'clock because somebody told you that there would be service at that time. I don't think you probably checked that out. You just believed it. And here you are. In faith. We live by faith. Human beings are wired up to live by faith. Now what happens when doubt comes into our lives? I mean, if we live by faith, there can be problems, right? If doubt begins to creep into our lives and starts to control our lives, well, we can actually have really big problems. 
Now, having said all that, a little bit of doubt is not a bad thing, right? In fact, that can be pretty useful. That can be pretty valuable. I took Mary's car in a few weeks ago for a $60 oil change. Maybe you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> a couple hours later, I get a phone call. Hey, we took the liberty to take a look around your car. So, the rear shocks are bad. Your fuel induction system, whatever that is, needs to be flushed. And you need a new air filter. That'll be $812 today. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I doubt that. Well, I don't doubt that those things are wrong, but I doubt that you're going to get my $812. Just the oil change, please. I mean, doubt can be very useful. It can be valuable. But you can start to become so full of doubt, especially so full of doubt spiritually, that you don't trust God and you can't begin to understand what it is to live by faith. That's what happened to Thomas. I mean, Thomas will forever be remembered for the doubt that we read about in this gospel text for today. Who knows why he wasn't there on that first Easter Sunday when Jesus appeared in that locked upper room. Maybe he was the one designated to go out and get some supplies or maybe to go out and get some information Maybe they, they drew, drew lots to do that. They did that often. Or maybe he went because he was not quite as afraid as the other ones were. Thomas, you may remember, when Jesus said he was going up to Jerusalem, Thomas was the one who said, let us all go so we may die with him. But we don't call Thomas brave Thomas, do we? No, we know him as doubting Thomas. Because when the other disciples told him the news of the risen Jesus, he did not believe it. In fact, in a foot-in-mouth moment that would last for all of history, he went so far as to say, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Thomas is absolutely adamant. This is not some half-hearted rejection from Thomas. In the original language, Thomas' words have what's called a double negative. In other words, I emphatically, under no circumstances, will believe. I'm adamantly opposed to any concept that Jesus has risen from the dead. Thomas went with his normal experience, his natural, rational, default understanding. This is misinformation and disinformation. This is fake news if I ever heard fake news. Because dead men don't rise. And certainly Jesus could not have been standing in this locked up room because his body is tucked away behind some stone somewhere. Dead is dead. Well, you can't blame Thomas. Can you? <laughs> He's so very much really like any of us. It wasn't that he didn't want to believe in the resurrection, I don't think. I'm sure he did. And it wasn't that he didn't love his Lord. We know he did. But Thomas was a very, very realistic man. He was skeptical. Because dead people simply don't come back from the grave, no matter how much they are missed. No matter how much they are loved. So Thomas doubted. He doubted his friends and their reports about Jesus. 
until one week later. <laughs> when Jesus again comes to that locked upper room and stood among his disciples, he simply appears and he says, peace be with you. And then Jesus looks directly at Thomas, looks him right in the eye. All right, Thomas, here's your chance. Those nail holes you wanted to see, that spear wound, here they are. And all Thomas could do was simply fall to his knees and say, my Lord and my God. And he's no longer doubting Thomas. Now he's got a different adjective. Now he is believing Thomas. Now he is confessing Thomas. He sees and he hears and he believes and he confesses. And Thomas, like all believers, has life. Thomas is not the only doubter, is he? I mean, before Jesus appeared on the first Easter, that upper room was filled with doubters, wasn't it? None of those disciples were believing. They were all doubting too. And the disciples here in this room this morning, we also sometimes are doubters, aren't we? And our, our doubts, they kind of run the gamut from the resurrection to God's plan for our lives. We doubt the words and the promises of Christ. We doubt those hard words of Scripture that just kind of bump up against what our culture says, what our culture tells us to believe. We doubt the plain words of Scripture that fly in the face of what mainstream science proclaims. We doubt the perfect demands of the law. And we doubt the soothing forgiveness of the gospel. We want to believe what we want to believe. Not what he calls us to believe. And it's hard, isn't it? it it's hard to just say, Lord, I trust you with all my heart. It's hard not to doubt when our sinful hearts and our sinful minds and our sinful world are all telling us different things. And so we end up doubting our God and doubting his word. And yet, still God calls us. Still he calls us to believe. He calls us to faith. And still God promises a blessing. Remember what Jesus says. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's you. <laughs> That's me. I mean, what a far-reaching blessing that is. Everyone who believes in Jesus today does so without seeing him, without touching those wounds. Instead, Jesus comes to us through his word. And that word has a way of not, not only giving us faith in the first place, but that word has a way of strengthening, strengthening that faith and pushing out the doubt. God shows us our Savior in that word. How he died on the cross to save us from our sins. And he gives us the Spirit to, to work in our hearts so we may not doubt, but to believe. And then so very often, Jesus gives to us himself in the Lord's Supper he fortifies us through that bread and through that wine, his very own body and blood. 
Not only does he strengthen our faith in that sacrament, but he actually forgives our sins. His blood shed on the cross, his body broken on Calvary, given for me, given for you, given to forgive, given to strengthen, given to dispel the doubts. And those gifts lead us to the blessing of a living trust in our God. Gives us the courage not to doubt. And somehow, some way, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe. Now I think it's a, a beautiful thing to see how Jesus meets Thomas and his doubts. I really don't think Jesus tells Thomas to stop doubting and believe in order to kind of scold him, you know, shame on you, Thomas, wagging his finger in his face. I don't think that's it. I, I think Jesus meets Thomas with openness and with love. And I get this picture in my mind. I can picture Jesus just smiling, smiling to the point of almost laughter because of the look of surprise and joy on Thomas' face when he finally sees that Jesus is alive that Jesus has risen from the dead. And I'm convinced that that's the same way that God meets us in our doubts. In openness and in love, he embraces us. He forgives us. He shows us his scars and he confronts us with the truth. He gives to us his word, the word of truth, and he invites us to believe. Lovingly, he calls us not to doubt, and we do believe. Not because we can prove it or test it or measure it or evaluate it, but because Christ has come to us in his word and through his sacraments. He has reassured us with his forgiveness and with his love and he has promised us again and again that eternal life is ours. And so we fall on our knees. And we look to the Savior. And we say with Thomas, my Lord and my God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we confess together our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed? You find that on page 9 in your bulletin. Together we confess. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we gather our offering to the Lord.
Please stand as you are able for the prayer of the church. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. We give thanks to you, O Christ, for having suffered, died, and risen from the grave to establish an eternal peace that surpasses our human understanding. Author our speech and direct our actions that we may echo this peace throughout our lives to a world in need. Destroy our doubt, diminish our fears, and increase the measure of our faith that we may winsomely proclaim you, the risen Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Christ, we praise you for having made atonement for us, refreshing and restoring our relationship with God the Father. May the unconditional forgiveness that we have received from you be reflected in our attitude and demeanor toward others. May we be willing to forgive as we have been forgiven. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, sustain the balance of authority throughout the world that political and military leaders may pursue that which is right and just for all people. Support the security of our nation that we may live peaceful lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, give the comfort and joy of the resurrection to Denise Hildebrand and her family upon the death of her mother-in-law, June, this past week. We ask you, Lord, to give to them peace in knowing that because Christ lives, we too will live. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, reassure us that your Easter victory is sufficient in the face of all adversity. We especially pray today for those who are facing the adversity of illness or infirmity, including Rosalind Smith and Stan Jones. We also pray for Bob Crowder as he recovers from recent surgery. Give to these and other brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need your healing, your strength, and your Easter peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice with those who celebrate special gifts of your grace this day. Today, we especially remember Carolyn Henneman as she celebrates her 98th birthday tomorrow. We thank and we praise you, along with Carolyn and her family, for the good gifts that you give to your people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your, in your kingdom and teach us ever to pray. Our Father, whoever in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We remain standing as we sing our recessional hymn together. Now all the vault of heaven resounds. <laughs>